0: Please to Genesis chapter thirty nine. Genesis chapter thirty nine. <coughs> if you are new with us, uh, we are continuing just uh, kind of chugging right along on a series about a character in the Bible called the life of Joseph, who I've just found fascinating. And and truthfully, here's where Joseph has a parallel with maybe some of us. Is I was talking to someone right before church today, and um, Joseph, one of the biggest themes of his life. Uh, was, uh, was how he just dealt with disappointment after disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. After disappointment. And so we've been going through um, as kind of a, a message by message and really just uh, talking about the, the various disappointments that he dealt with and more importantly, how we dealt with them. Because I don't know about you, but my life it just seems like I deal with disappointments. Uh, disappointments like we've talked about with people or circumstances or, or uh, at, at times disappointment with myself. And, uh, and, and the truth is, there's so much truth in the story of this character about how he dealt with the disappointments and how God brought him through. And so today, we're going to be continuing on in that series, and I'm excited to share about what God has for us. Because today, we are going to be talking about the disappointment, woo, of doing the right thing. And you're thinking to yourself, what in the world are you talking about? How can there be disappointment in doing the right thing? Well, let's read. Uh, starting in verse 6 all the way through 20. And we're going to talk about how Joseph did the right thing. And even though he did that, disappointment came out of it. Let's read. So Potiphar, starting with verse 6. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am and my master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went to the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants were inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. That's a woman scorned for you. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him the story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. I want you to see this. Joseph did the right thing. But in verse 20, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison. The place where the king's prisoners were confined. We pray one more time for this message and we'll continue. God, I just thank you that your word shows us characters that go through so many things, God. Lord, that every character in some way, shape, form, or fashion, God, is relatable to our lives. And I thank you for setting that example for us. And today, God, as I I speak, I pray that more than anything, you would encourage people. And I ask, God, that you would just continue, God, to to speak through me. And, uh, God, um, I pray that people would walk away today with a sense of hope and uh, and what you're doing in their lives, in your name, amen, amen. Um, how many people here, let me just start off with a question, how many people here, uh, especially the parents, have more than one child? Uh, uh, can, can I get the multiple child parents uh, to, to raise their hands? Yes, uh, uh, what I'm about to tell you, you are about to go Oh, you're about to identify with exactly what I am talking to you about. And here's the truth. The, the, the truth is this, is that um, along, with my parent, along with being a parent and along with having to do a lot of things, you know, I mean, there's two different sets of personalities or three different sets of personalities. Uh, there's all kind of people uh, or, or different kind of uh, ways that we have to treat them. We've got to train them up, uh, train them up differently. Um, we love them both the same, uh, but how we treat them to raise them up is completely different. And, but one of the biggest frustrations and challenges, and maybe you can identify with this, that I feel with having two kids. I've got a little girl, uh, eight years old named Madison and a six-year-old son named Davis. And one of the biggest things... Um, challenges that I have with them is that they have this incredible sense of justice, especially when it comes to each other, because if they sense in any way that Kim or I are treating one of them different and more favorably than another one, they instantly throw their hand up and say, that is not fair. And how to calm that down is, oh my gosh, it's so hard. A couple of nights ago, um, literally me and Madison and Davis, we were going through our kind of late night routine that we normally do, is after dinner they get their baths and showers, and then before they go to bed they say, hey daddy, will you play Wii U with us? Well, of course I will. And I let one choose one game, one choose the other. And so Davis had chose his favorite game, which was Mario Kart. And uh, if you've never played that game, there is something therapeutic about shooting a red turtle shell at someone else and blowing up their Mario Kart it makes you feel so great inside it really does I can't explain it you should try it so we're playing Davis's game we're playing Mario Kart of course daddy's winning ha. <laughs> right you know I mean yes there are other areas where I build up my child's confidence and i let them win uh, but when it comes to Mario Kart oh no they got to earn it um, so we're playing, and, and uh, this was Thursday night, and my wife, she came up, and, and Maddie hadn't chosen her game yet. We were still playing the, the game Davis wanted to play. And Kim says, y'all, I hate to tell you this, but I've got field day tomorrow with my class. It's just been a long week. I am tired. And so I said, you know what? Maddie and Davis, hey, let, let's, I know we're done with Mario Kart. We haven't played Maddie's game yet. Let's just go ahead and go to bed. You know, uh, what, well, well, Maddie, I'm sorry, baby, or whatever. And literally, she looks at me, and I could almost see the tears almost coming down her face. And so she was like, Daddy, that is no fair. We played Davis's game, but we didn't get to play mine. And so, instantly, I begin to Rolodex mentally. How can I make this fair uh, t- uh, to Mass? And I say, Cool, baby. Well, I know that Davis chose the game, but you get to choose the stuffed animals that sleep with you all at night. How about that? And she goes, That's fair. And she moves on. Crisis averted. It was a couple weeks before that. Um, Madison, uh, we were doing family movie night. And Madison wanted to watch Disney's Monsters University. Cool. Davis wanted to watch Disney's Cars uh, Cars 2. Awesome. Daddy, but I want to watch my game. I want to watch my movie. I want to watch this. Let me watch that. So how do I make sure... Uh, uh, to, to make this fair for them, for their sense of justice. So like any good dad, I know which child is gonna fall asleep first, and I know that child is Davis, so I said, you know what Davis, let's watch Cars 2. Maddie instantly looks at me, and she goes, but, and I pulled her aside, I said, baby, as soon as he falls asleep we're gonna watch your movie. Okay, awesome. It was even a couple of weeks before then. It's morning time. Babies, what do you want? What do you want for breakfast? I want cereal. Cool, what cereal do you want? Davis goes, I want Lucky Charms. Cool, I can do that, buddy. Maddie goes, Daddy, I think I want Lucky Charms too. Awesome, I can do that, baby. I go and grab the box of Lucky Charms. I pour it in a bowl. I realize I got enough Lucky Charms for one bowl. But Daddy, I asked first, but Daddy, you did what they wanted to do last time. If you give it to her and not to me, it's not fair. And so just like any dad, this is how I solved this because, you know, I want to make sure it's solved in a, in a good and correct and fair way. So I looked at him I said, I will not make the decision. You must do paper, rock, scissors and the winner gets the lucky charms. Best two out of three. And they thought about it and they said, okay. And all of a sudden, I said, hey, make sure the rules is this one, two, three, then shoot, okay? And, uh, and Davis won. And, uh, and so I said, Maddie, I'm sorry, baby. I didn't make the call. You should have chose better. And, uh, and we moved on from there. But it's so funny because I look at my kids and as a father. This whole sense of justice, this whole sense of it's got to be fair, and if it is not fair, if the decision that you're making uh, that impacts my life, Dad, is not fair, I'm going to let you know verbally that it is not fair. Because a child has this overwhelming sense that life should be fair. I wish I could tell you that as we get older this overwhelming sense that life should be fair changes because we mature and the truth is it doesn't. As human beings we have this absolute desire for our life to be fair. I really and truly believe that we don't have a hard time going through rough times. We don't have a problem when life gets tough as long as in our decision matrix, as long as when it filters through our sense of fairness, we can say, you know what, this makes sense, it's fair but maybe you're going through this now. Maybe you've gone through this. Maybe this is on the horizon for you, but it is incredibly hard for us when we go through times and we go through situations and when circumstances in life come our way and when we look at it objectively, we say, that is not fair. It's not right. That's what makes this story so hard to, to, uh, to, 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 to take in. Because here's Joseph, and Joseph did what was right. He did the right thing. His master's wife, while, while the master was away, while Potiphar was away, he, um, the, the, Potiphar's wife came to Joseph and said, sleep with me. And Joseph had the integrity to do the right thing, and he said no, even to the point of running away. Now we would think that because he did the right thing to make sure that this is fair, that because he did the right thing, the right thing should come his way, right? that he should go on about his life, that God would bless him and say, you're great, this is awesome, that increase would come to his life, that nothing bad would happen. But when we see a story like this, and Joseph did the right thing, and because he did the right thing, he got thrown in jail and lied about, it's so easy for us to look at this and that human nature comes out and says, that is not fair. Maybe there are people here today who, just like Joseph, you are going through, you've either made some decisions or you are about to make some decisions, and you know that the direct result of you doing the right thing will end up with you not being treated so well, and you're wrestling with that. Maybe there are people here today who, maybe recently, you've made the right decision, you know it was the right decision, but it cost you something. You treated somebody right, and they didn't treat you right back. You made decisions to do the right thing, and life came back at you and almost punished you, it seems like, for doing the right thing. Maybe you've got some decisions to make that you're wrestling with that you know You know if you do what's right, what's going to come after it is not going to be fun. And the biggest thing you're wrestling with isn't the decision to do the right thing, but the biggest holdup is, because you know what the right thing is, the biggest holdup is I know if I do the right thing, it's going to cost me. There is a disappointment that comes in life when we do the right thing and it still harms us. The story of Joseph is here to encourage us today. And I don't know what your background is on this Memorial Day weekend. Maybe you've been in church all your life. You've heard this story a thousand times. And it's going to be a refresher and encouragement to you. Maybe there are people here today who you've been away from church. And for whatever reason, it makes no sense on a Memorial Day weekend, you decided instead of going to the lake, you know what, let me at least go to church today. But you're facing decisions. Maybe you're, maybe you're walking close with, with, uh, with God. Maybe you're not. But the universal truth is, is that when we make decisions, the right ones that cost us, man, when we turn around and the result of that is pain and suffering, that's hard. So let's look at Joseph because just like us, Joseph made the right call when he chose not to sleep with another man's wife, you know, the first thing he did, and maybe you can relate to some of these, the first thing that he did, as far as his right decision, he made the right decision when no one else was looking. There wasn't an audience. She didn't come to him and say, hey, come sleep with me, with other people around. Potiphar wasn't around. And don't you know that Joseph was tempted with this whole idea of know what, if I sleep with this woman, no one else will know because it's just between me and her. Maybe there are people here today who you are, you, you, you feel that temptation, you've got a decision to make and you know what's right, but because there's nobody else around, there's nobody looking, that temptation comes and tells you and whispers in your ear and says, nobody's looking, you don't have to do what's right, no one will ever find out. But more than even just that, you realize that Joseph made his decision, the right decision to protect someone else? If you look at the story when Potiphar's wife came and, and said, Joseph, sleep with me, one of his first responses was, how can I do that to my master? Joseph just didn't make that decision for himself. He did the right decision to protect someone else because he knew that if he did sleep with her, it would eventually come out. And then don't you know that everybody in that household, everybody in that city, everybody in that community would look at Potiphar for the rest of his life and say, look at that dude. Look at him. He trusted one of his slaves with his entire household. And he ended up taking his wife. He would have been the butt of jokes for the rest of his life. So Joseph not only made that decision for himself, but he said, you know what, I can't do that to Potiphar. Potiphar's been good to me. Maybe there are people here today who some of the decisions that you are facing, you're gonna do the right thing to protect someone else, not just you. But more than just even that, if we look at it even further, you know one of the things that Joseph resisted? He resisted the temptation to have it all. One of the things that he told Potiphar's wife, if you go back in the story, he said, my master has withheld nothing from me except for you. How many times have we, has it become apparent that we live in a society and we live in, just in, in, in our life and sometimes it can even be human nature. Why can't I have it all? Why, you know, I've got all these things but there's one thing I don't have, why can't I have it all? You realize that by Joseph saying, I've got all these things, but my master's withheld you and I'm not going to have you? Do you realize that Joseph had to realize, wait a minute, I'm gonna be grateful for the 99 things that I do have, not for the one thing that I don't? And that flies counterculture to what we believe. That flies counterculture to what we've been told as a society at times, isn't it? Because we've been told, hey, don't be grateful for the things that you do have, Max out your credit card for the things that you don't. Hey, you can really have it all. There's going to be a hidden cost involved, but know this, you can have it all. And that lie has destroyed so many people and families. Joseph did the right thing by saying, you know what, I'm going to be grateful and focus on what I do have and not set my eyes on what I don't. Sometimes doing the right thing means saying, no, I will not continue to take things into my life. But even more than that, do you realize that Joseph doing the right thing meant that he didn't bow down and he didn't give in to his circumstances and his past? Let's not forget how Joseph got there in the first place. Joseph got there because his brothers got mad at him, threw him in a well, sold him into slavery. How easy would it have been for Joseph to say, you know what, I'm nothing but a slave. You know what, life's been tough to me. You know what, there's been some things in my life that haven't been fair. I shouldn't even be here. How I got here was wrong. So who cares what I do and who cares how I treat myself? We do that all the time, don't we? We face that temptation all the time. It's so easy to look at our environment that's around us and look at our past, and for that to be the re- for that and for that to be the excuse as to why we're about to do the wrong thing that we're about to do. And Joseph had the integrity, he, didn't, he, he wasn't concerned about his past, he wasn't concerned about the injustices that got him there, he wasn't concerned about how it was unfair, he still said you know what, it doesn't matter what's happened to me, it doesn't matter what's going around me, I am going to do the right thing and there's some people here who you've either made that decision good for you or you're facing that decision. Last thing about how Joseph did something that was right. Is he, is he fully aware, he was fully aware that his decisions not only affected someone else, but it affected his relationship with God, too, because he said, he goes, I can't do that to my master, and I can't sin against my God. Even if nobody else would have known, even if they would have tried to keep it secret, he said, you know what, I will not do that. I believe there are people here today who, you've either made those decisions or you're facing those decisions. Just like Joseph, he had a lot of reasons why he could have said no to doing the right thing, and he still said yes. But here's the part that on the surface doesn't seem fair. Maybe you're going through this. Not only did Joseph do the right thing, but it cost him. The right thing didn't happen to him. I want you to look at what he suffered all he did was make the decision to do the right thing and look at the negative things that came, that, that came to him. The first thing is that he actually lost reputation. Somebody, Potiphar's li- wife, lied on him. And there is no record that Joseph had the opportunity to defend himself. This right here is probably the thing that would bother me the most because I don't know about you, but I hate being misunderstood. I hate to know that someone could just judge an action from me and not know my heart. And so a lot of times I will spend my time trying to tell people my heart, say, look, no, I didn't mean it that way. This, this is what it was. I try to defend myself. Joseph didn't even have that opportunity. Part of his wife lied on him. He got thrown in jail. He did not have the opportunity to say, wait a minute, let me tell you my side of the story. Some of you, one of the most disappointing things about you doing the right thing is that it cost you some reputation. And that's difficult, that's tough. See, another thing, more than just reputation, is that it actually cost Joseph conflict with someone that he loved. There had to be a good relationship for Joseph and Potiphar, for Potiphar to entrust Joseph with everything in his household. And because Joseph did the right thing, someone that he respected and cared for, he was forced into conflict with. There are people here in this room, I believe, just by odds, that one of the frustrations is that you have done the right thing, you made the right decision, and even though you made the right decision, it cost you conflict wise. And you are going back in your mind, and so you're saying, you know what? If I wouldn't have made the right decision, if I would have done the wrong thing, I still could have been in harmony with this person. I literally talked to someone yesterday. A good friend of mine I haven't seen in, in a while, and that's what she told me, she said, you know, something, God's, uh, uh, something that God is, is stretching and growing me in is this thing of, you know, as a friend, if people come to me to advi- for advice, I truly give them, in a loving way, the right answer. She goes, but it's costing me, because I had a friend who came to me for advice about a certain situation, and I loved her enough to tell her the truth, even though it was uncomfortable, and now she won't speak to me. And I could just tell in her voice, she's like, you know, if I wouldn't have done that, I, I still could have had my friend. It's frustrating, it's disappointing, it's tough when by doing the right thing, it costs you conflict with other people. I'm gonna tell you where else it costs Joseph too, and maybe there's some people here, it cost him his freedoms. You realize that before Joseph did the right thing in a reasonable way, he could go and do whatever he wanted to do. All he was, he was in charge of all the affairs of Potiphar's house but it was up to him to choose how he did those and when. But by him doing the right thing, it threw him in jail where he could not do all the things that he wanted to do. He couldn't go where he wanted to go. He couldn't do what he wanted to do. And don't you know there was a part of him going, man, if I wouldn't have done the right thing, I could have been free. There's a reality. And there could be a disappointment that comes through our emotions, realizing that, you know, by doing the right thing, I can't necessarily do everything I wanna do, when I wanna do it, and with who I wanna do it. There's a discipline that comes with that. There's a, there's a boxing in emotionally that can come with that, that can be frustrating and disappointing at times. I'm gonna tell you something else that really cost Joseph by doing the right, the, the right thing. Cost him emotionally. It doesn't say it in the Bible, but don't you know once he got thrown in jail, don't you know that he that he was stressed, disappointed, angry, lonely, mad? Don't you know that all of those emotions went through his heart and went through his mind? Don't you know that, that he probably had a lot of sleepless nights those first couple of nights in jail? Rolling through his head, if I just would have done the wrong thing, <laughs> I'd be happy. It's one of the hard things, I believe, that, that comes up. When we do the right thing, and it costs, and it causes more stress, frustration, loneliness in our lives. That's tough. I am not up here saying that that's easy. I'll talk to people all the time, and teenagers, adults, and everything else, and at times they'll come to me for relationship advice, you know, hey Drew, I'm dating so-and-so or whatever, and, and, um, and, and ultimately, uh, not all, but a lot of my conversations with, with, with people about relationships come down to this. They know that they need to end it with so-and-so. But they also know that by doing the right thing and ending it, it's going to cost them emotionally upfront because there's going to be stress, misunderstanding loneliness, and I've literally seen people when it comes to relationships, this one little spear, they would rather stay with the person so that way they do not have to deal with the consequences of doing the right thing, and it's a short-term game. I believe there are people here who you know, I don't have to tell you, you don't have to come up to me after church today and tell me your story and for me to give you counsel on what to do. You don't. There are people here who you know what you've got to do. The thing holding you back is not what to do. The thing holding you back is you know. And I'm not saying it's easy. You know that by doing the right thing that you're gonna have to suffer with your emotions for a while. And just so you know, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna, in a moment, we're gonna go through how to deal with these things so I promise I'm not going to leave you hanging with just that. Can I tell you the last thing that it cost Joseph by doing the right thing? I'm sure in that moment while he was in jail, he wasn't able to feel like he was going to be able to um, fulfill his destiny. See, the thing that we've learned about Joseph is, is that Joseph had a God-given destiny for his life that he was supposed to fulfill. He had dreams. He had visions for his life. And I'm sure in that moment that God, he was asking God, you know, God, if I wouldn't have done the right thing, if I would have done the wrong thing, I probably could have still been well on my way to fulfilling my destiny because how can I reach my dreams and my goals for my life? How can I do that in jail? Maybe there are people here today who, you've done the right thing. You've made the right decision and you're looking up from a proverbial jail cell and you're saying, how can I reach my, my dreams now? Well, let's talk about that. We've talked about what Joseph went through, but I believe that there were three lessons that Joseph gave us during this time about how he dealt with it, about how He dealt with the disappointment of doing something right. Because the truth is, there is nothing that we can change. There's nothing that we can do different to change the disappointment. The question is now, how can we deal with it? And if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you three quick things. Here's the first one. Joseph recognized that disappointment did not equal distance. Disappointment did an equal distance. So Joseph gets thrown in jail. You know what the very next verse in the story says? It says Joseph gets thrown in jail, and the very next verse, read your Bible, it says, and God was with him. Sometimes we want to believe that if God is with us, that he would prevent us from the pain and the suffering. And God never promised that. Jesus Christ, while he was teaching and preaching here on this earth, what he said was, he goes, in this world, you're you're gonna have a lot of trouble. He didn't say, if. He said, you are going to have a lot of trouble here in this earth. He goes, but fear not because I've overcome the world. I will walk with you is what Jesus was saying through all of it. Over and over again, Jesus would say uh, things like, but fear not because because never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, never will you walk alone. Our hope, and maybe you're here today, you've done the right thing, and you're suffering the consequences of doing the right thing. Where we begin to draw hope and strength from is that even though we're suffering the consequences, even though it's not fair, even though every bit of our internal justice system is going, is going off saying, this isn't fair, this isn't right, God still with you. There's a, there's a verse in Psalms that says this, it says that God is near to the brokenhearted. It doesn't have to be fair for God to still be there with you in it. Joseph was in jail in an absolutely frustrating circumstance. And God was still with him. If you can start there, you can leave today with a sense of hope. That God hasn't left you. Just because it's hard doesn't mean that he's forsaken you. Just because it's difficult doesn't mean that he's walked away from you. He's with you. And there's a great comfort of knowing that in the middle of my jail cell, in the middle of my consequences of doing the right thing, God's still there. So even more so than, than that. And, uh, number two, so number one is disappointment does not equal distance. Number two, choose the right problem. Number two is to choose the right problem. How you deal with this is to choose the right problem. You're thinking, Drew, what are you talking about, choosing the right problem? Well, it's simple. See, Joseph had a choice. When Potiphar's wife asked him to sleep with her, he had a choice. Because there's going to be problems. Joseph knew that. Joseph could have either taken a short-term view and said, you know what, yes, I will sleep with you. But making short-term view decisions will lead to long-term problems. So by Joseph, if he would have slept with her, even though in that moment, he probably would not have had a whole lot of problems. Long term, he would have had problems. What if he would have got her pregnant? How are you going to deal with that, Joseph? What happens when, not if, but what happens when Potiphar finds out? And it's confirmed. Maybe Potiphar would have done more than just throw him in jail. Maybe Potiphar would have killed him. What if there was an affair that had lasted for months and years and Potiphar found out? It could have cost Joseph his life. We know that Joseph suffered a loss of reputation. Could you imagine if he would have gone through with this? Nobody would have ever wanted Joseph to manage their kingdoms or their finances or their households even again because he would have had the reputation, well, yeah, he really does sleep with people. He'll take your wife. You better better be careful. See, Joseph realized that, you know what? in that jail cell dealing with a short term problem even though he didn't have the solution at least he had the peace of mind knowing you know what I don't have long term problems it is better for you to have short term problems and not have anything to worry about long term than to take a short term view and have long term problems there is nothing worse than taking the easy road short term and having to deal with huge, long-term, generational, impacting problems down the road. There are people here right now, under the sound of my voice, the temptation you feel right now is, you know what? If all I have to do is not do the right thing and my short-term problems will go away, I'm telling you, there will be long-term consequences for that. Better for you to take a long-term approach and to suffer short-term. here's number three how do you deal with these disappointments number one again as you realize that disappointment does not equal distance number two choose the right problem but number three learn from your leaders number three is learn from your leaders can can i tell you why joseph is so hard to relate to when i hear when i read this story because I know how it ends. I've read this story a thousand times in my life and each time it never grips me. I never truly feel Joseph's pain because I know how it ends. I know that he interprets a dream for Pharaoh and Pharaoh uh, promotes him to number two in the land and Joseph at the end of his life, he rides off in the sunset and it's good. So it's hard for me to relate with Joseph right here because I know how it ends. But you know what? That's also incredible comfort for me to know that God did not leave Joseph in that jail cell. And you know what? That's not just a one-time thing. I go through the pattern of the Bible, and I don't see where any moment, there's not one moment where God let any one of his people who were trying their best to serve him and walk with him, there's not one moment where he let them rot in a jail cell. didn't do it and so I look at leaders like that and I realize, wait a minute I know the end of their story and God worked it out for their good if he can do that for them he can do that for me and let's not forget the ultimate unfair when I want to get on my proverbial pity horse and start crying about how nobody knows the trouble I seen I remember that there was a Savior Jesus Christ who did the right thing. He was sinless. He didn't do anything wrong. And he chose to come to this earth and walk amongst me and walk amongst people who rebelled against him. And Jesus Christ, if you look in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, had a choice to make toward the end of his life at a place called the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus had to deal with his unfair moment. And he told God, if you read it, he told God, God, Dad, if there's any way you can take this cup away from me, please do it because it's unfair. I don't want to have to die on a cross in a brutal way for these people. He said, but nevertheless, I'll still do it. And even in that moment when Jesus died on the cross, unfair that my Savior should die for me, that he should die for my sins, that he should die for my wrongdoings so that I can have relationship with God. Unfair. But even in that unfair moment for Jesus Christ, God the Father had a plan because after three days in that grave, he rose again. When I go through moments where I realize unfair, I go through the pattern of the Bible, and for every single moment, every single time, where one of God's people went through an unfair moment, in that moment it seemed unfair, but in the end, God allowed him to win. I don't know who's here today, but you need to understand, because of Jesus Christ, and because of his sacrifice, that God the Father looks at your unfair moment and he says, how it looks now is not how it will end if you will trust me. If I could get everyone, please, just to bow your heads for a moment of concentration and privacy. One of the areas that God is just challenging me as a, as a preacher and as a minister is to always ensure that there's an opportunity after every message for people to know Jesus because maybe there are people in here that are going, you know what, Drew, that sounds great. You know what, uh, um, uh, I'm I'm here today, you're talking about Jesus and the ultimate unfair and everything else, but Drew, you have to understand is that I don't even know Jesus. How can I do the right thing and I don't even know Jesus? What, What makes it worth it? You talk about a Jesus who lived the ultimate unfair, but I don't know him. What I'm going to do is on the count of three, if you would like to know Jesus again, it's this simple. We're bad. God was good. We couldn't get to God. So God came up with a solution. He sent his son here on this earth who, who lived for 33 years of sinless life, died on a cross, so that through faith in him, we can be good. And we can have relationship with God our Father. If there's anyone here, all I'm going to ask you to do is when I come through, just raise your hand and put it right back down. I want to know this, Jesus. I'm not going to bring you up to the front. I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to call you out. You're not going to go in some special room. It's just between you and God. Well, Drew, why, why don't I need to raise my hand? Because I believe that when you respond externally to what's going on in on the inside, God sees it. It seals it in you. So who is there anyone here today who you would say, Drew, I, I don't know this Jesus but I want to. I want to have a reason. I want to have a reason in my life to deal with the disappointments of life. On the count of three, number one, God loves you. Number two, paid the price for your sins. Who is it? Number three, is there anyone? Set the hand. Right back up, right back down. Thank you, God. I see that hand. I see that hand. You can put it down. So Father God, we just thank you. And God, as we close today, I just pray that you would encourage people as we just worship you to close out, God, I just ask that you would continue to move and encourage people, Father. God, for the decisions that were made for you today, I just ask, I just ask that you would continue to, continue to build in them a hope that you're with them, that you've never forsaken them. We just thank you, God, that you never leave us alone. And we thank you that even in the disappointment of doing the right thing, God, you work it out in the end. We love you today. Would you stand as we worship?
1: God, I look to you. I'm just what to do, yeah. all my days, I will love You, God. I will...
0: just thank you that everything in our life is not final until you say it is and God as we leave today God I just bless everyone here I pray they would just be encouraged God and I just ask that you would just keep us safe as we as we spend some time with our family and friends and bring us back safe next week we love you God your name amen hey y'all have an incredible day see ya